0: Hello everyone and welcome back to Identity Architects, the podcast that spotlights individuals who are changing the way that data is used to deliver better customer experiences. I'm your host Ben Cicchetti and for this episode our sales director Nick Henthorne had the opportunity to sit down with Peter Markey, CMO at the UK's leading health and beauty retailer Boots, to talk all about the evolving retail landscape, the cookie future, the recently launched Boots Media Group and much much more. Before I hand it over to Nick, just a quick reminder to hit that subscribe button wherever you enjoy podcasts to know when the next episode lands, but without any further delay, let's dive into their conversation.
1: So welcome to the podcast and thanks very much for joining us. Uh, There's an awful lot to cover in today's session, especially with the importance of data and identity in the retail sector. So Clearly, Boots are a leader in this space. Let's get straight to it. Um, I'm Nick Enthorne, sales director at some working with retailers and broadcast media partners to help them make the most of their first-party data. Pete, for anyone unfamiliar with you, could you uh, give us a quick intro to who is Peter Marquis and Boots, specifically what you do um, uh, in your role there?
2: Brilliant. Happy to, Nick. First of all, thank you for having me. Great to be with you today. Um, I look after marketing day-to-day for Boots in the UK and Ireland covers everything from data through our loyalty program with the advantage card, through to research insight, marketing comms, brand, uh, data strategy and more. Uh, Boots is a 170 year old business, uh, well known on the high street and particularly a, a growing presence in digital uh, with our growth being up over 100% uh, year on year. So um, great business to be in
1: and uh, data is really important to our business. So a topic I'm really passionate about. Well, great to hear those stats on digital growth as well. Thank you. Um, I'm going to jump into a few questions, if that's OK, Pete. Um, so opening things up, um, there seems to be a million answers to the cookieless future at the moment. Lots of companies are pushing their particular solutions as the way forward. Where do you think we're going as an industry, and where do you think we'll end up? Do you think it'll be a single solution that solves for everything, like a cookie replacement, or more of a hybrid approach with a range of options being used? It's
2: a great question, Nick. It's quite an int- it's a fascinating time for the industry, isn't it? I think um for me at the moment, evidence is pointing more probably towards some something like a hybrid approach because um there are a number of solutions on the market already. There are some being tested, some are sort of fairly nascent stage. Um and the landscape is you've got a number of things like wall gardens that quite a lot of the big tech companies are running. Um so I th- I think that I can't as yet, picture an overarching solution. I think quite difficult in principle because you've got these different models emerging. I think we clearly want to see how all of that uh, that that plays out. Um, I think this is this is massively important because data is so critical to the marketing mix. And our dream as marketers is to obviously have the right product or the right message in front the right customer or the right consumer at the right time. And data is critical to that. So I think with the the less future, the value therefore in quality of what you you have with your own data your first party data is only going to increase and i think for brands and for media owners that creates an opportunity to have a a better and stronger value exchange with consumers that has probably been there before so that the data exchange but you know two ways it is, is seems to have value and for customers particularly that they can trust how their data is being used um, and i can see how it enriches the customer experience in their lives more because of the the quality and the strength of how that's used, so I, I think it will be. For me, the answer is going to be a bit hybrid, and I think the sort of more quality customer experience-led solutions are going to be the ones in. I think in the, in the in the long run, but it, but it definitely is a watershed moment, isn't it? And I think, yeah, you know, I think reputations for companies will be built on the the strength and the quality of what they do uh, to build deeper relationships using data for customers. Um, so yeah, really important
1: moment. But as I say, I think that the
2: more of a hybrid approach overall, Nick, I think is where we'll probably end up.
1: Fantastic, thank you. It's really interesting that you hone in there on, on, on trust and, and the customer experience being key. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that, I absolutely agree, comes from transparency. Yeah, so, uh, so I think, I think I'd, I'd, I'd definitely agree with that in terms of transparency being one of the, the key drivers to, to the customers building that trust with organisations. And that, as you say, not necessarily come from that, um, that, that singular approach to a solution. So uh, uh, really interesting, thank you. And 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 just sort of I suppose moving from that slightly into into to 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 the wider, wider landscape and and particularly Google. So they recently announced they're delaying the changes to third-party cookies on Chrome. Um, so people have basically been given some more time. Um, i.e., <laughs> the world isn't changing imminently. How do you plan on using that additional additional time given? And are you Sort of concerned that others may choose to just bury their heads in the sand and wait until the problem comes back.
2: Well, I, I hope I hope people view it as a. I mean, it's not it, it's it's a it's a not an if but when moment, isn't it? I think it's, it it is coming yeah. back, and I think the brands that are smart will, will say, look, there's a there's an hour window of time we've now got to to look if they haven't before more seriously at the the options and the opportunities in front of them. Um, I mean, we we, we feel. Uh, well-prepared in the context of, of, of I've been in many numerous conversations about our approach and what we're looking to do. And I think, you know, for us, we've started a, a, a mass personalization vision, really, around um, uh, how we um, get better and smarter, at how we use our data. As I say, we have 15 million Advantage Card customers. Um, we have millions of shoppers that come in each week. We have many uh, more now visiting us, as I mentioned earlier on, online. So we've been investing heavily in, uh, you know, how we use our first party data. We invest in the Adobe Marketing Cloud with tools like Adobe Campaign, Adobe Target, um, Adobe Experience Manager, and so on, and to, just to help us create a stronger ecosystem of how we better deploy first party data to reach out to customers. we have also been working with, with with InfoSum. There's another example around, around how we're able to, um, and you know, LiveRamp as well, but with InfoSum, you know, working through. How we we reach audiences through the likes of you know Channel Four and ITV's on demand platform, through reach through their titles, through global radio and and their wide reach, you know, and that mass personality vision is is achieved through that. So we've, we we focus on strengthening what we do first party data, improving our tools, and building some really important strategic relationships, of which the one with InfoSum is for me a, a really significant one, where we want to be at the front foot of how we best get in front of customers at the moments that matter. You know, for us as a business, it's fascinating because we we do hearing care. We have opticians. We're there with solutions for cold and flu. We're doing flu vaccinations at the moment. We're doing COVID boosters. We're, we're, we're number one for beauty on the high street. There are many things you could come to Boots for. And actually, the excitement of the sorts of partnerships we're now able to do means that you know I genuinely get excited about the fact we can get our message and our product in front of the right audiences at exactly the right time. The stuff I've dreamed of doing as a marketer for twenty plus years feels closer now. Uh, and my encouragement for any brands that haven't thought through the, the Google delay is just to just get ahead of it and go. How do we create the space and the opportunity to um, to really add value for our customers and consumers to to um, you know to enrich, as I said a moment ago, the customer experience and deliver something that's meaningful that means they will keep coming back to you and engage with you in the long run, which is certainly something we've been doubling down on with our loyalty program over over recent months.
1: it's a big relief to hear you've got a great plan in place and 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 thank you for the recommendations to other organizations out there who are about to embark on similar journeys it's really interesting you touched there on on this this idea of um collaboration between brands um with the world as 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 is changing and the removal of some of the barriers previously associated with data sharing for example the, the evolution of clean rooms we are seeing more brands collaborate i mean example we'd see would be something like a food delivery company collaborating with a restaurant group. How would you see brands and media owners engaging with each other in the future in a world where some of these barriers are, are taken away?
2: Well, I think um,
1: I think we'll see some really interesting
2: partnerships. I mean, I think just, a, I guess, at a simple level, we, we, we've done some really exciting work with media owners over the last six months. We've partnered with ITV as the feel-good partner for Love Island which was a great partnership because we were able to run that through what we did with Infosum, but also run that through, you know, j- just more traditional broadcasting with ITV. Our products featured in the show, so you could literally shop the show, buy what was in the show as you're watching it. We had a, a almost twenty four seven social media operation around the program, Um and I, I I just think there are opportunities opening up and where you can engage, connect people with brands through media in, in new and different ways. Now, Love Island is probably a positive extreme example, but I think that there are ways where, you know, because of the immediacy, say with a platform like Info somewhere, you're connecting audiences, I think there's something really interesting around the level of insight you can bring and how much better you can get at delivering an experience and the closer you can get the consumer to the solution of what they need. And I think that's where Love Island became really interesting because it was, it, was, it was literally, you know, you, you could go from, God, wow, I, I want that thing to you can get it, you know, as opposed to I'm going to have to Google what was so-and-so wearing at 9.52pm on ITV. No, no, right away there, you can see you, you could go and get that. And we had a, a, you know, for us, we changed how we worked on the, on the program to get creative signed off really quickly, to get offer codes on specific products we knew would work well. Um, and I think that speed of delivery, I think in partnership could be really key. The other one, just touching on something you said, which is really interesting, is we've got we some pilot activities underway with Deliveroo. And you could argue Deliveroo are a media owner. I mean, they're a service provider, but in terms of access to customers and data, they, in a sense, are a media owner. And that's been a really interesting partnership so far, great business to work with. And, and I think has a lot of potential as a model around, again, the immediacy of getting out to consumers. You know, And, and you know, Deliveroo and, and uh, you know, businesses like Justy, aren't they great in the immediacy of customer need? And what's interesting for us with a business like Delivery was going, right, I, I, I may be ill at home and I feel ill with a cold, right? Do I really want to get in my car and get on a bus or a train and go and get something for it? Or actually, you know what, within 15 minutes, I could spend some money and I could get that to my home. Go, There's something really interesting in that. And then then the targeting of that and, and Delivery being a media owner, that gets really interesting too. So to answer your question, I think some really interesting partnerships will keep popping up businesses we might not think of media owners but our media owners will, will emerge more um but i think it's back to that value exchange and this one i think is you know is media owners creating a situation where you can you can in a more relevant way get your brand in front of people and you can connect the shopping experience to the media experience more and more i think is is really exciting and i, I see signs that more and more of that
1: will come really exciting and also highly topical if you uh I think the awareness of 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 not wanting to spread things like colds has become absolutely paramount now. The ability yeah. to get drugs delivered to you in a safe way without you going out and spreading is absolutely brilliant, fantastic.
2: Yeah, it's a definite opportunity, isn't it? And I think um, you're right. There's just the the immediacy of things. I think we've all learned that, particularly in lockdown, haven't we? Around you know how actually that that speed does matter, and actually getting stuff brought to you in a moment of need really matters. And I think. This back to our point as make a moment ago. I think the brands that are really going to win are the ones that really understand that immediacy of, of response and action, which I think is really exciting. I
1: think it's a really exciting segue in, 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 into the idea of, of, of data being all about the customer as well. Mm. It's a perfect example. Yes, you are doing things in terms of collaboration of data sets between yourself and another organization, but it's all to drive a better customer experience. Love it. Yeah,
2: 100%. Uh,
1: now for a mean question. So apologies in advance. Um, although to be fair you 've done a lot to answer this already, how would you explain to a customer boots how you use your data, how you use their data? sorry, and why is it why why does it ultimately deliver that better customer experience
2: yeah no, it 's a, it's a fair question um first of all i think I think data always has to be collected in a really transparent way, so you 'll be really clear up front um why you 're collecting that data what you 're using it for, and also i think talk about the value exchange you want to create yes if you're sharing your data with a business like boots a brand like boots what, what 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 are we going to use it for but secondly how is that adding value back to you if you tell us things about for example your beauty regime well that would mean that we can give you a better experience if we know what sort of products you like the brands you like the brands you use more about your um the tones you like um, the fragrances you like, actually it means we can show up with things that are a lot more interesting and useful to you. And you can see how it's d- done in the right way and it has to be done in the right way. Health is also really interesting and well-being around actually, you know, sharing more around um, maybe goals. We do it on apps, don't we, at the moment for fitness, but, you know, there are particular goals people want to go after where Boots has a solution where using that data appropriately, we can help you with some of your life goals to, to sleep better or, um, uh, you know, relax more, whatever that thing could be, uh, that we could be there to do it. Um, and I, I think this, this is where this, this bit about value exchange becomes really important. Um, I think around um, making really clear the value the customer is going to get back. So it's, it's, it's like a contract of sorts, isn't it? Which is, is you know, I think it's about when we won't sell your data, we won't do anything with it that, that um, stays at, you know, that pushes it beyond our, our ecosystem. Um, and uh, and actually, the way that's used will be in a way that's that's value enhancing for you. Will give you offers, promotions on things that matter to you in your life at the moment you need it. And actually, the more we know you, the, the better the experience can get. So, as a business that deals with every aspect of people's lives at Boots, um, the fact that we can that we can know you better to serve you better, you know, is is I think really really key. But I do think it starts with the transparency, and it st- and it starts with the degree of trust which you know, Boots has, has inherently got, but you need to keep earning that trust by, I think, you know, first of all, getting people engaged, but then continuing to, to deliver on that promise and the value exchange to make sure that the offering and what you provide is, is, is even better
1: and even stronger each time. Absolutely. I think that becomes even more important. The, con- the consumer as a whole has become more and more aware of what, what, what how their data is being used. That transparency is absolutely key. And clearly something that, that you as an organization and many more enterprises very much stand by. So very, uh, very encouraging. Well, sorry for that nasty one. I'll, I'll move on to something, uh, <laughs> I suppose, slight, slight, slightly different. Um, so the concept of Identity Architects podcast is to kind of get to know the innovators in our industry. Um, and You recently announced that you had a mission to create a world-class media agency or have created a world-class media agency, offering effectively your first-party data to deliver better customer experiences for other organizations. Could you give an overview of why you launched Boots Media Group and and what makes it unique?
2: Yeah, no, very happy to. Boots Media Group, or BMG, as we affectionately call it for short, is, is, um, is our internal media agency that's there to work with our fantastic suppliers in partnership, um, because ultimately, we can help them fulfill their growth ambitions both in-store and online. And we have this really rich data, but also we have access to 2,500 shops. Your people are within 10 minutes of a boot store, a growing online presence, a flourishing app. And so actually, it gives us, as a media owner then, t- the chance to, um, I think, provide something really compelling to, again, for those supplier brands, get their products in front of the right customer at the right time. Particularly on things like key product launches, where impact is really important, and I think, you know, the media is competitive landscape, isn't it? And I think for us, being able to say, look, you know, partnering with Boots and viewing us as a media owner means that you can get store space, window space, floor space, online coverage, access to our email program, access to targeted activity, you know, access to be able to run uh, campaigns through an InfoSum platform, for example, all becomes really interesting. Um, and we've partnered with an agency called Threefold, so we've made the call to get an external agency to to. In fact, we we two some of our people in our existing partnership marketing team in to create that new Boots Media Group. We've got fifty percent more resource coming through from Threefold, so it's, it's a bigger entity within Boots Media Group. But yeah, we we we're we're, we're together injecting more investment into how we measure new tools. We've got. Um, enhancements to our data, so it is a really strong offering. And the idea, as you've rightly said, is that this is a world-class media agency offering and suppliers look at us as, as strong or, stronger as, if not stronger, than the media agencies that work in day-to-day. So look, the desire is not to replace a traditional media agency, this is not, not, not come look at us, we're here to challenge, it's not about that, it's more just, we're a very strong alternative for when you're when you're launching a product or looking to grow a product, there are channels through Boots and channels through partnering with boots on data that uh, opens doors that that because of the nature of who we are with with a media agency with the brilliant asset they've got brilliant assets but they don't have the assets we've got so the uniqueness is the assets the uniqueness is the skill we've got um, and the improved measurement and uh, you know and, and strong relationship management so that's a really exciting proposition is one of the most exciting things I've worked on since since joining um, and the supplier feedback has been amazing. We've, we've literally just got going. So we're, we're just in towards the end of the second month and uh, have made a very strong start. But uh, as with all these things, lo- loads more great opportunities to go after.
1: Well, I'm delighted to hear the launch is going well. Also great to hear the common theme that underlies all of that is putting the right product in the right place for the customer yeah. and, and making it, you know, again, driving that relevance. So um, wish you all, all the best with that. And uh, I'm sure we'll be, hearing an awful lot more about it in the marketplace. Yeah,
0: um,
1: <laughs> um, I'm going to sort of move away from some of the heavier topics onto a bit more of a quick fire question round, if that's all right, really focusing on you. Um, I thought I'd start with, uh, what's your earliest memory of, of advertising or marketing?
2: Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. So I, my dad worked for the railways all of his career. And so uh, I traveled around, moved a lot, and I I, I've traveled on trains more than I've traveled in cars. I mean, see, I've, I've always felt I was born on a train. I wasn't, but i has but spent most of my early life on a train. Um, and so one of the earliest memories is actually British Rails advertising, which was a really awful campaign called We're Getting There. And basically it was saying, it was basically a campaign in the 80s that was basically saying, we're a bit rubbish, but we're getting slightly better than rubbish. And it's one of those awful campaigns where you go, dear goodness me, it's sort of the brief of we're slightly less rubbish than before. Is not a winning brief, so that's my earliest memory of advertising. Um, but equally, look, I've grown up in a generation that's seen Bud, Budweiser, WhatsApp, you know, um, you know, some of the, you know, when you've been Tangoed, uh, the Levi's work. That's all the kind of generation I grew up in, which is some quite iconic ads that just were creating what I call water cooler moments that made you stop and have a conversation and talk. And that's one of the things that really inspired me. Brilliant adverts do that; they're disruptive, they make you stop and think. Uh, they're not just wallpaper, they don't blend in the background and and um yeah, and I've got some uh, yeah, amazing things that I've seen that I aspire to be like all the time from a iconic ads I grew up with. And I guess aspire not to be when you take the first example of your experience. Yeah, Let's you definitely not don't want to like do that. that. You don't want to do that. I had a I had a moment where I felt I was meeting a celebrity and I'm sure my age here, but at um the IPA they've got the 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 smash, which is a smash for those that don't know is this instant mashed potato. It's very big in the 80s. You literally put hot water on this powder and it becomes mashed potato. So I'm not going to comment on the product, but that's the idea. But in, in the 80s, I had a robot that advertised it. And the robot is in the reception of the IPA. And as you walk in, it's like, there's the smash robot. It's like, it was like literally like I was meeting a childhood hero. So
1: I've met the smash robot and my life is now complete. I'm showing sure my age by remembering those ads as well. So <laughs> absolutely fantastic. And um. So moving on from that, was, what was your first job in either advertising or marketing? Where, where did you first start out? So I started my career in British Gas. Um, I didn't fall instantly into marketing. My degree
2: covered advertising, PR, journalism. I ran, helped run a radio station. We did video production as well, um, and, which was great fun. But my, my first job, actually, once I'd worked through the British Gas customer service experience, dealing with people's energy problems and all sorts of stuff, which was, which was really exciting on the front line customer service, I applied for a job in the marketing team in the, the British Gas head office, which is in Staines, Glamorous Staines in Middlesex. Um, and um, I worked, first of all, as a marketing analyst. So I started off evaluating the performance of uh, how British Gas was doing with its marketing campaign activity, which um, um, was an interesting way in to sort of start with looking at performance before I ran campaigns. And, and British Gas, there was it was just an amazingly interesting time because the market was opening up to competition. It had been a, a monopoly beforehand. Um, it was just in the early emerging stages of digital. British Gas was sitting on a load of really interesting data. Didn't just do energy, had a service cover business. Um, and uh, amazing products I had to sell. I had to sell HEC, home electrical cover, and CAC, K-A-C, kitchen appliance cover. So you sit in meetings going, we need to sell more CAC. We need to sell more Heck." I still remember that now. So Good Week was lots of CAC and lots of Heck. okay? So that was British Gas. But just an amazing place to start and an amazing place to learn about marketing, Using data and connecting with customers. yeah, And I'm still in contact with with much of the, the group of people I work with, and it's brilliant to see them go on to do uh, bigger and better things.
1: It's an amazing, amazing place to start work. Great that you started out in, in effectively data analytics as well. And also, mm-hmm. kind of relieved to hear that Boots Media Group's been shortened to BMG and not CAC. You know, there's, yeah, exactly. a, CAC's there's three attractions yeah. that just don't work and some <laughs> that do. <laughs> yeah. um, knowing what you know now what would you say to yourself when you would started out in that role
2: yeah i think there's something around um i mean what was i in that first marketing role i was probably about 23 22 23 and i just think that i i i probably wasn't as confident i didn't challenge as much as i would do now i didn't ask as many questions and i think if I look back now, I, I would be more assertive, more confident. I challenge and ask more questions more, and I push the boundaries more. And I think, you know, I look back at some of the work I did then, and, and a lot of it I'm proud of. I, I could pick particular moments where I go, I was part of that, and it was brilliant, including I got to work on an amazing strategy project as an analyst for six months, which was an amazing experience working with Accenture at the time. Um, but the bits I go, you know, I just didn't question that. I didn't challenge that enough. I didn't sort of stop and think why we we're doing that bit of work. and And... You know, I was just think a couple of projects where you go, actually, it probably wasn't that value adding that bit of work that that I was, you know, um, asked to contribute to, and probably should have asked more questions on it. And and I, so I think pretty well, it was a little bit green, or whatever the expression is. Your eager lent in was full of energy, but I, I should have been more questioning, and more challenging, and certainly that served me better in later roles as I as I, as I was able to to get into um, other businesses and be be more inquisitive and to. Um, to ask more about things beyond marketing, I was probably a bit too
1: tunnel vision into
2: marketing in the, the early British Gas days as well.
1: That's fascinating. I think the power of "why" is something that just doesn't necessarily yeah. just come into play, does it, when you're uh, when you're early in career? Oh, when, it's funny. As
2: I, I can so a couple of jobs later I ended up working telecoms and I, for a business called OneTel that got bought by TalkTalk Talk eventually. And we used to see lots of press ads. When I first came in, a third of the press ad, because they were quite small formats, was the registered office address for OneTel, and a, and a legal word about this our registered office. So I basically said to uh, the the, uh, the legal team, why does this need to be on there? And they said, because the regulatory team said it needs to be on. I went to the regulatory team and they said it needs to be on because the legal team said it. So I got them together and they both realized it didn't need to be on there. So for two years, the business had been running ads, believing that something needs to be on an advert that legally didn't at all. And so we were able to actually add, take that off and improved dramatically the, the, the performance of our press advertising by adding more genuine copy and less legals. But you just show that again, back to asking questions differently, the younger version of me would have come in and just accepted that that was what, what needed to be the case and gone, Oh, of course, it must be that as opposed to going, is that really right? Should we really do it that way? So yeah, asking
1: questions at the right time can be can be quite powerful to unlock things. That's absolutely brilliant feedback for those listening. Thank you. Um, just thinking about uh, industries, you've, you've worked across what, utilities, telco, insurance, obviously more recently banking. What do you love about the industry you're now in? What do you love about retail? I think that retail is, so I'm
2: not going to do anything to not what I've worked in before. So
1: yeah, if, if anyone's considering
2: insurance or banking, amazing particularly, there's my most recent roles before this one, um, brilliant, tough industries to work in because hard to find differentiation um, at a brand level and a proposition level. Data is also really hard, uh, it's hard. customer experience is key. It's a brilliant business to work in. The bit for me with retail is the speed and pace and also the variety that I found really energizing. So it obviously works much faster because you are literally looking at, you know, in banking, yeah, it didn't make a lot of sense to look at yesterday's sales on its own. and just go, how many mortgages did we sell? Yes, I mean, you did, but you weren't able to change a lot for the next day. But the great thing about a retail like Boots is you, you are literally looking at, how did we trade today in store and online? Um, are the plans going to change for the next day? Are the things we're going to look at? So the dynamism is really exciting, but also just, as I mentioned at the, the, the top of the podcast, just the depth and breadth of what Boots does is also really energizing. And, and, and I can move from a conversation about a big beauty launch, which could be involving the Boots Media Group. to so that discussion through to how we're doing on vitamins through to, at the moment, I'm very involved with the marketing on the, the flu vaccination program, which again is another really interesting st- strand as well. Um, and loyalty is is a is a big part of what we we do at Boots, and so getting involved with that more has been really exciting. So, I think it's the depth and breadth of the role that's exciting. And retail, as I say, is very fast moving, very dynamic, um, and that that adds to a
1: bit of pace and energy to things as well. Some momentum. Fantastic. Well, I'm glad you're. I'm glad a you've enjoyed all the previous, and and you're you're thriving in this new role too. Um, as an industry, we're obsessed with the concept of identity. How would you explain the term to a ten-year-old?
2: well, having uh, two more grown-up children now, remembering the ten-year-old days, I think for me it's around. Um, I think identity is about the thing that 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 makes you uniquely you, and the thing that I think then, if you put that in an industry context, is is actually the thing that helps people help you more would be the way I describe it is that. There are all moments in life where we need help. And actually, if I know there are things people need help with, then, then I can make things better for them. But if I don't know, then I can't help. So it's a bit like talking about a problem, isn't it? It doesn't need to be a problem. doesn't be, need to be a negative problem. It could be a nice problem. I want to buy a house. I don't know how to buy a house. Great, okay, problem. I'll deal with that problem. Um, so I, I think identity, for me, describing it as a 10-year-old, will be about the things that make you uniquely you, and and the more that i know about the things that make you uniquely you and what matters to you the better i can help you and the better i guess a better friend i could be Probably is the word i'd use i'm not sure everyone thinks about a brand as a friend but i think the brands that really are relevant in your life the things that you the apps you use every day the things you find useful are part of your everyday life you know and i, and I think that's that's probably the other bit i'd draw in the uh, in the 10 year old conversation if that
1: hopefully that, that would work Bringing, bringing it to life for a 10-year-old is never easy. Actually, talking about 10-year-olds, that's one of the things that gets me up in the morning because my 10-year-old tends to wake me up very early. What gets you up in the morning? What gets you motivated?
2: Well, yes, yeah, so my kids are a bit older. So my kids are 14 and 20. So they've gone beyond the point where they, they wake me up. And one of them so much so he doesn't live at home anymore. Um, but um, uh, for me, the the bit that wakes me up in the morning is is I do get energised about the day ahead. And, and my mind works very quickly around the right. What are we going to do today? What do we need to get done today? And I find each day, particularly now I'm doing more hybrid working, where it's, you know, today I'm at home, but last few days I've been in London. I'll be in Nottingham in a few days' time for, for several days. I think that, for me, gets really, really energising around meeting different people, different environments. The, the variety of the job is energising. I've also got a lot more into um, to fitness during lockdown, as many have. So part of what also gets me up in the morning is is getting up from my backside and using the time. This is more when I'm working at home. It's quite hard, i found, trying to fit this in and commuting. It, but getting up and doing things like getting on an, on an exercise bike, doing a peloton class, just things that just just start the day really well. And, and I, I before we went to lockdown, I kept saying um, and I wasn't really unfit. It was more just I just didn't spend as much time. I went to the gym two or three times a week, but not enough. But actually, suddenly when I wasn't commuting, I was like, look, look P Markey, you have no excuse now. The excuse that you're too busy community is that's gone now. So you need to use that time. So part of the energizer is to, is to get up and, and, I guess, feel good about the day in, in, in many different ways.
1: I, it's, it's really interesting. I, I'm one of those that adopted, I hate to say, the mammal approach when, uh, when 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 lockdown started because we had that free time. I think it'd be really interesting to see how people manage to adapt as we start to move to more of a hybrid approach and how we can fit that exercise into our regimes.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think it, we we all need that space to feel good, feel amazing, don't we? And I, and I think um, yeah, my encouragement everyone would just just stick with it. And um, I've had moments when it's hard, isn't it? I've, I've I tend to add a bit of extra time to the day, get up early and do do a bit of exercise before I leave the house. Um, uh, otherwise I'm not I'm not moving enough. Probably my description when I'm I'm uh, out and about in an office. I
1: miss that. I miss the movement. Yeah, absolutely. Keep moving and stimulate the brain. What's so that? um, is there anything that you wanted to talk about that we've not covered off in in, in the questions we've gone through today.
2: No, I mean, I, I think my, the heart of what you've asked, I think, um, you know, Nick, is is around um, people preparing. And, and look, I think if I was to give anyone some guidance about things to be focusing on over the next 18 months, I think I've talked about what we've done in Boots about marketing tech. So I'd definitely look at your marketing and ad tech stack and go, are we in the right place? Have we got the right tools and equipment? Are we collecting the right data? Do we know what we're going to do with it? um I think I think that for me it's also then around thinking about partnerships and who you might want to partner with moving forwards to help you with um, with everything you're doing. I think you know, have you got the right media partnerships to help you achieve your goals
1: I, I think um, I think your insights have been absolutely invaluable um in terms of giving advice to organizations on how they can better prepare themselves and structure for for, for what has been an uncertain future and uh, and I'm very grateful for that. And this this podcast is obviously all about individuals who've pioneered new ways to use data to deliver those better customer experiences that you've talked about. So when you look at people you admire in the industry, who would you nominate for us to interview in an upcoming episode? So I think Mark Evans at DirectLine is brilliant. I, I think Mark would be really
2: interested to talk to, and I'm really impressed with what he's done there, both to grow the brand, but also to deepen relationships with their customer base. So definitely Mark, I think really interested to talk to. Um, Tony Miller at WW used to be Weight Watchers. Uh, also brilliant. I think really interesting what he's done there with Anna and the wider team in repositioning Weight Watchers and how they're using data and creating new experiences for people who want to lose weight. Um, so just two names there, but two two brilliant people it's worth
1: talking to. Fantastic. That's really appreciated. And I've, I've got one final question for you. Uh, if there was a song that was a soundtrack of your life, what would it be? Oh, it, it, it's... Um, so many songs. I
2: I'll be very topical. because so I saw the Back to the Future music musical recently, and so I think um, the power of love by Huey Lewis and the News is still an amazing song having it on stage. And actually, the bit I skipped in my story is I I was originally going to work in public relations, but I turned down that job. Um, it was a graduate scheme in London to to stay in British Gas to work in the call center, which I described earlier on. But I did it. I did it because I fell in love with the person who's now my wife. So so I, I sort of I can't get out of that telling that story. So. Ultimately, it, a choice made by choosing a path of, of uh, wanting to be with someone led me to completely change my career. So it's probably quite an apt song to talk about something that, that fundamentally changed my direction in life, if that helps. And it's still a great song.
1: It is still a great song. I definitely agree with you there. Well, um, Pete, thank you so much for your valuable insights on on your role, what you do, your experiences and, and the advice you've given to everyone listening. And also, thank you for the opportunity for for, for us to learn a little bit more about you. Um, um, Really appreciate it and uh, good luck with everything that's coming up uh, with the the ongoing launch of BMG.
2: Brilliant. Thanks, Nick. And great to be with you today. Thanks for the opportunity.
0: Thanks again, Peter. That was a fascinating look at the world of retail and the role that data plays in delivering those rich shopper experiences. The retail media landscape is evolving at an incredible pace. That's why throughout October and November, we're sharing a ton of useful content on how retailers, brands, media owners, data providers, and others can build powerful retail media ecosystems. So head over to infosum.com to check that out. All that leaves for me to do is to remind you to hit that subscribe button wherever you enjoy podcasts and thank you for listening to Identity Architects.